Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, as you know, I had a sabbatical this year from January to March, and uh, I got the opportunity to share a little bit about what the Lord was doing in my heart as far as setting me free from fear of man, which, well, we'll see how that works out today. You know, if you feel extra challenged, man, that guy needs some more fear to come back into him. Uh, uh, but, but so you've heard a little bit about how he set me free from anxiety and really shown me the love of God in a much deeper way. And set me free from the fear of man. Uh, But there was another thing that he started doing to me. And as early in January, he started to speak to me about Acts. And and at that point, when I left on sabbatical, we were, as as I thought, about two weeks away from uh, breaking ground on Main Street. I thought renovations would be done and I would get to miss the whole process. And we got back, we'd be ready. I could just come up on the stage and it'd be like, sweet, this is a new location. And as we know, none of that happened. Um, So in the beginning of January, he starts talking to me about the Acts Church and I was like, that's our name. It's going to be Acts Church. So in February, I would meet with, I would meet with Rob. And I was like, the name is Acts A-C-T-S. We're going to be an accepting church, a caring church, a training and teaching church, an ascending church. And I got really pumped up about Acts 2.47. And God really started to stir my heart. And then in March, we had the opportunity to go away and visit a volcano of all... <laughs> um, we got to fly to Hawaii, my wife and I, to take a week off as part of our sabbatical. And uh, the other re- there was a couple other reasons for going there. Uh, we really appreciate Francis Chan and his ministry and teaching, and he was going to be teaching at YWAM there. And lo and behold, Carl and Diego, part of our body, were at YWAM as well. So it was, you know, killing a few bir- uh, one bird with a couple stones. No, killing a couple birds with one stone. We got it? Okay. Many birds dying, one stone. Okay. Um, so we got to go there. And what do you think that he spoke on? The Acts Church, Acts 2, 42 to 47. And, I mean, and it's hard for me to explain what that was like for me because it was like, you know, a, a tuning fork that rings perfect. Like something started to increase in my heart. And I literally sat there and wept in Hawaii, realizing that I didn't need to see any waterfall or any ocean or any sand, but to be there with my wife and have the Holy Spirit show up and confirm what he had started My sabbatical was so much more about rest. It was about God taking something that he wanted for me and what I think for the church here at Calvary Chapel and other churches and start putting it into place. And it was, it's funny now, you know, I I came back, we, we got to drive up one of our last days there. We drove up to the mouth of the volcano that is exploding right now. We were, we were literally as close as you can get to to the mouth of that thing and, and seeing the red glow and walking by the steam vents, you know, where naturally this, this, the heat comes up and you stand and you actually can get burnt by the heat. We were walking through the sulfur pits where these, you know, fumes are coming up that smells like rotten eggs. Or, and it's like we were right there and right now you do not want to be standing there. It's amazing. And I came back and before the volcano started erupting, I, I spoke to people. I said, it feels weird, like with this whole Acts 2 thing. I said, I feel like I brought some of the fire back from Hawaii. Some of that fire that I saw, I feel like I, I brought it back. I feel like it's in me. And then a month later, this volcano starts to explode. And church, I feel it's a prophetic picture for us. When we look at Main Street and some of the things that God wants to do here at Calvary, you guys, I think we're on the verge of an eruption. Amen. 
And it's like this picture of, I got this picture of this yesterday of this tsunami. Like when a, when a tsunami hits, there's this drawing back, right? You can sit on the wave and you should get really afraid when you're at the ocean and suddenly within like a minute or two or how, I don't know how exactly how long it takes, but that water disappears, I would urge you to run, okay? Because something big is about to come your way. And lit, we didn't know, but we're standing at the mouth of the volcano and this thing is getting ready to erupt, like, if you think in terms of years of how long that's been laying dormant, like, it is ready to erupt. Like, we should not be there. And I think this is a word for us at Calvary. There's something coming. I think it has to do with Main Street. And so this morning, I had different titles. I had, you know, Calvary Chapel, Big God. I had, this is more of a community group or a small group message. I feel like that was the first place we needed to take this message. But it's also a message of church planning because that's the other thing that I got permission to share with you this morning is that I want God to send me out. That's, what, that's the other thing that happened during my sabbatical is that I love you guys and I love what God's doing here. But guys, I am praying that there's some of you that are, as I say that right now, you're going to go, Oh, I feel like God's called me to go with you. And the Friesens are in the process of praying that God would take us, this Acts Church model, to somewhere else other than here. Because God's called us to go to be a multiplying church. And so we look today at Acts, and so I'm full of, oh, I'm just, I just, it's like a lava inside of me that just wants to spew out. So if you could just grant me the permission to explode this morning, I want to take a look at this church. And there's three things I want just to start off by saying this Acts Church to look at, because we're looking at them actually going out, right, and, and prioritizing a few things in Acts 42 to 47, which are really obvious. But I want us to quickly look at what happened before that, because I think there's three things that are really substantial that happened to the people. They were entering into a new season, a new time, and number one is that they were given authority. Number one is they were given to authority, right? Christ died on the cross. And as he died, it said the earth was shaken. And what was torn in two? The veil was torn in two. The barrier that kept us from walking into the presence of God, right? That required a priest once a year to get down low to be that representative. A priest is a representative let me find my notes here. A priest is a representative that represent the people to God, interceding on their behalf and represented God to the people, mediating the truth and commands and grace into their lives. They received authority. They were entering into a new season that we can own for our own. It's called a kingdom of priests. You know, it's part of the thing on my sabbatical is studying this, you know, studying an overview of the, of the Old Testament, New Testament. They talked about this in Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In Isaiah 61.6. But you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of God. Something happened. They were in a new place where they became priests. They became representatives of God to the people around them. And representatives of the people to God. In other words, we carry the presence of God. We no longer need to talk to a priest. We're carrying it amongst the people, amongst the lost. And this is a really, really big deal. Amen? That's the first thing I think we can... We look at what was happening in Acts 2 with the church... The second thing is that God has given us a call. This started right back in Genesis, didn't it? When God was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden and he said what? Go forth and multiply. 
We all know how that worked out. God having to send a flood. And he says to Noah, he, you know, the flood lasts 40 days, 40 nights, it comes back. And he says to Noah, what does he say to Noah now? Go forth and multiply. Jesus comes, he dies, right? We just established, he gives us authority as, as priests. We're a holy nation set apart to declare the excellencies of his good works, right? That's First uh, Peter, whatever, it's okay. But he calls us to go. So we have Adam and Eve. We have Noah. This go and multiply. And then what does Jesus tell the, tell the apostles right before he leaves? He says, go. Go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. Teaching them all to obey all that I've commanded. There's this call to go. Church, we've been called to go. We've been called to go. And Pentecost is this holy moment that is, it's crazy. Because you look back when, Noah, when God told Noah, you're, trying to go, you're supposed to go and multiply. What happened after that? It says they just ascended back into more sin and they come to this, this place called the Tower of Babel. And what was God so angry about? What was the big deal? Let's stay. Let's just stay and make this big tower and make a name for ourselves. ourselves. And what does he do? He says, fine, I'm going to divide you then. Not multiply. I'm going to divide you and give you different tongues and different languages. You won't be able to understand each other just so you have to leave. But at Pentecost, God says, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he comes in power to the 100 people, 120 people there. And he comes and what does he do? He reverses what he did at the Tower of Babel. And it says they started to understand each other's languages. Right? So you have French guy, fermez le port le maintenant, s'il vous plaît. And you got Greg over here going, what? Close the door, please? I didn't know he spoke English. And then you have Mennonite man, and I don't know, has to, I know, a conta here. Do you have an account here? What? I didn't know he spoke English. Oh, men saved. And we have the Greeks and the Jews, and you have all these people under the power of the Holy Spirit reversing this thing of division. And now they're, I think it's a call to missions. It's a call to go out. God restoring this call. And thirdly, what was happening in Acts here is this, is this empowering, right? I mean, this is, the, this is the greatest one. Not only did Jesus say, go make disciples, then all of a sudden Acts, he says, no, stop. Don't go. Wait. First, wait for the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. Just wait. Don't go. And Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come. He would convict the world concerning sin. He would convict the world of unrighteousness and judgment. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would lead us into truth. He would declare things that are to come, and he would glorify himself. So inside this call, then once you have that, now you go first to Jerusalem and then all Judea and all Samaria and then to the ends of the word, ends of the earth, which is a call, which is a picture to us. Say, take God here in Steinbach, take it to the nation and then take it to the ends of the world. Church, before we even get to Acts 42, we need to, we need to understand that this is for us. You've been given authority. You've been given a command, but not, he didn't just leave it there. He said, I'm going to empower you to do this. I'm going to empower you to do this. And he's going to do it for you as you walk in obedience to my word. The Holy Spirit's going to convict. 
the Holy Spirit's going to testify the truth. This is such good news. This is such good news. And church, this is for us. This, this, this is for us. This, this is the heart of what's burning, burning in my heart for us as a church. And so here you have this Acts church. We come to finally to verse 42. You have the Acts church and they start prioritizing four things. And so this is my heart for us. This, this would be my prayer for us as community groups or as small groups going forward. This would be the, my, my prayer for us as a church. This would be my heart that, Lord willing, when, I get, when, when you're going to pray me out and I stand here weeping, I'm taking this with me. This is what I'm taking with me. I'm taking it. Four activities of the earliest church. Operating in their new culture of being called, being equipped, being empowered. The church is being propelled by the Spirit of God as, as he fell at Pentecost. And they go forward and it says that, and they devoted themselves. That's the first word. I just stop right there. They devoted themselves. Church, are we a church that devotes ourselves to the call and purpose of God? That word devoted wasn't, it, it wasn't a word like, like I used. Well, a couple times in my life, I said, I'm going to devote myself to working out at the gym. And twice in my life, I have bought gym passes, okay? And today, this te- yeah, I can testify, you just look at me and you go, wow, he must not have devoted himself very hard to that, okay? Because my, fo- my forearms are still the same size as my biceps, right? That's a sign you haven't been working those out very much. I'm not talking devoted. The cur- this, this word devoted isn't like... It, it's, not, it's not like committing to a New Year's resolution. This, this word devoted is more like, if I don't do this, I will die. If I don't do this, I will lose. If I don't do this, I am lost. This word devoted is more like loyal and faithful and true and staunch and steadfast and constant and committed and dedicated and devout and fond and living, loving and admiring and affectionate and caring and attentive and warm and ardent. This is a relentless devotion. It's not casual indifference and it was not reserved for two hours on a Sunday morning. Can I, can I just say that? The church is not designed for two hours on a Sunday morning. Not a 9 o'clock service, not an 11 o'clock service. Not just that. It is for that. And if I would have preached this message right when I came back, I probably would have said, no, we need to all get in smaller groups and forget this building. I don't believe that anymore. Because it says they met and they came back and met in the temple, okay? So there's a place for the church. And I believe God has called us to Main Street to be salt and a light, a city on a hill. So don't hear me saying this isn't about Main Street. This is. It's part of it. But it wasn't reserved. You know, when I, feel, I, think, I think when we make church about Sunday morning, we have to be very careful because I think it can easily turn into the Tower of Babel when it just is about Sunday morning because then it becomes about our awesome music, which was glorious this morning. I met with the Lord. Praise Jesus. It becomes about our music. It becomes about how awesome our pastor is. It becomes about how awesome our children's ministry is. And that it just stays here inside those walls. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, what is it? All those things are what, are what churches divide over. Aren't they? 
Those are the divisive things. When we make church about church, about these walls, I just felt like, man, that's dangerous. It can be just so dangerous because it comes about making a name for ourselves. And we miss that point of going, wait a second, this wasn't just for us. It was actually for the people outside here. So praise Jesus for the church. Praise Jesus for great music and great teaching and great children's ministry. And we have 100 million kids here. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. It's so good. Don't hear me saying it's not good. It is so good. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to come back. But when we start using our gifts, using our talents, going outside, what happens to a Sunday morning? Sunday morning becomes this glorious time. Hey, how's God been moving through you? How's God? You were doing that. You use your gift in that way. What? All of a sudden, we're not lonely at church anymore. All of a sudden, we're using our gifts outside of the church and becomes this glory, kind of this reunion. We come together and we get to meet with Jesus in a powerful, powerful way. So don't let me stay too long on this, but they were devoted. Devoted to four things. I want to quickly touch base. Four things that the church was devoted to. Number one, they applied their devotion to the apostles' teaching. So when you read this, when we read here, this, this uh, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, each one of these things has a scripture inside here. Okay, so when you look at apostles' teaching, we can look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles'. This part, it gets really hard for me because I'm like, when I read this, okay, so they devoted themselves to this apostles' teaching, which would have been the New Testament. They would have had the Old Testament and they would have had the New Testament, maybe not written down, but they would have been living the New Testament. How crazy would that have been? They were walking with the apostles who walked with Jesus, watching them raise people from the dead, watching blind eyes get miraculously opened, watching people get up, the lame walked. That would have been intense. Do we view that, the word of God that same way? It, what changed? I, 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 and as I study this, I'm like, Lord, why is the church different today? Or why does it have to be different today? What has changed in our hearts? Because I, I don't remember reading anywhere in this book that it said that was for then. I don't know, no, now it's just supposed to be just a waiting period. Just lull, really quiet. Nothing big going on. I'm a personal believer that the Holy Spirit wasn't just from the New Testament. That he's alive and in us the same way today that he was yesterday. But I wonder about this devoted to the apostles' teaching. I wonder about this devotion and this belief that we have. That this is the true living, okay? It's alive, living word of God. Have you ever heard that illustration about... the? I'm sure you have. It's it's pretty popular about this couple. They're going to go away for a month, so they hire this other couple. No, hired. They have this other couple. Okay, can you house sit for us? And they come over to house sit, right? And they go, here's uh, here's some notes. We just put together these notes for you. Um, our cat has a special food. He needs to be fed every day, right here. Um, by the way, there's some plumbing issues in the basement, so we have a bucket there. If you can make sure that bucket's changed every day, that would be really good because if you don't. You don't want to know what's going to happen in the basement. Um, we have lots of perennials. My, my husband's a gardener. He loves perennials and all those other ones that do 
multiple years too. Um, they grow in the back. Here's, here's some instructions on how to take care of them. And the garbage truck comes every Tuesday. So if you can make sure that garbage is out. Right? So the month goes by and they come back and the couple's like, oh yeah, we'll do this for you. No, no problem. And so the, cu- the couple goes away on vacation and they come back and they come in the house and there is garbage everywhere. Poor little Garfield is dead by his food dish. And they're just like, and then they looked downstairs and they could swim down there, except they wouldn't really want to. The backyard is a big mess and the couple comes up and they're like, welcome home, welcome home. And they're like, I'm not sure we feel very welcome. So it's all oh man, thank you so much for the notebook that you gave us. It was amazing. It was so detailed. It was like we, we highlighted stuff. We, we memorized it together. Like we sat down, I, we could recite this whole thing to you. It is, oh man, thank you so much. Okay, but did you do? Oh we, oh, we didn't do any of it. It's like, I, I can show you. My Bible is like, I got lots of underlines on every page. I got highlighted, I memorized stuff. But if I don't do them, what good are they? If I don't believe in them, what, what, what good does it do me? And so, Poke, here's my not fear of man. Church, it's like... Come on. Peter, the gospel is enough, isn't it? Holy Spirit falls. He preaches the man. What does he preach? He preaches the gospel. That's it. He preaches the gospel. Testifies that this was, this was, uh, this was prophesied in the Old Testament. This was to come true through David. And now it comes. He preaches the gospel. He says, repent and be baptized and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened by him preaching? Just the gospel. Just the gospel. 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people. Romans 1, 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Church, this book is alive. But not only that, it said they, I think they also had in mind many wonders and signs done through the apostles' hands. Because it says, Awe and wonder came upon them as many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I can say I have faith for healing, right? I, have, I, I can say that I have faith for Dave's eyes to be healed. But if I don't pray for you, do I really believe? Do I really have faith? Like, really? Oh, you can totally be healed. I totally, I totally believe it. I hope that happens for you. That's, that's, I, it's right here. It's written right here. Hope it, I hope it comes true. No, faith is what you do. Paul says, show me faith without works. It's dead. It's not, a, it's not a duty thing. It's not a workspace salvation. It's like, no, man, people should see, they should see what we believe. Shouldn't they see what we believe? We should be passing by people at Calvary on Main Street going, what's Michelle laying hands on that person for? She must be believing for something. Must be believing for something. This altar call should be filled up, man. I know there's people right here that you're lonely. You need touch for God. You need healing. Every Sunday, we should just be coming forth. We should be laying hands. We should be believing God for, for people to get healed and set free. Emotional stuff and physical stuff and spiritual stuff. It should just be happening. It's what we believe. People should come in as a man. There's no doubt in my mind that that church believes in the living power of the gospel and the word of God. And that's what I think was happening to the Acts church. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. No, this is the real deal. 
You could argue it was easier for them because they actually saw it really happening all the time. And they just saw Jesus die and ascend to heaven. Right? But it holds true for us today. And that's my point. It holds true. It's an Acts church. It's our community groups. It's my Lord's church plant. It's Calvary on Main Street. Secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This word fellowship isn't fellowship in the kind of hanging out. This fellowship is much... This word fellowship is the word in Greek. It's called koinonia. You've heard this term probably before. This term is more like uh, joint participation or sharing something in common. It's a partnership. It's like God saying, Lynn, what's yours? It's mine. And what's mine is yours. No questions asked. Okay? You need something? You can count on me. You just call me. Let me know. God deliberately gives you what I need and me what you need. That's how he designed you. That's how you were wired. Not for what you need. You were wired for what I need. For what each other's needed. And that's what it means by devoted to fellowship. They took hold of this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to, uh, 12 to 27. We are all part of the body of Christ. We've heard this preach, right? That we are part of the body. When I can't say he doesn't need this and this. Like my mouth. If my mouth wants food, it's going to need my hand. Right? Or I'm going to look really like a bird. You know? You know? I'm not called to be a bird. No. If my eyes see Sheldon, I want to go say hi to Sheldon. What do they need? They need my feet. And my feet need my hips and my femurs. And they need my knees. And they need my muscles. Do you get what I'm saying? We were created for each other. With what each other needs. And the Acts Church, you know, here's this picture. Where's Barry? Barry, I told you I was going to use this picture. I'm going to get emotional. Guys, we've got to take... We have to take our, our ideas of what it means to use our gifts for God and we have to tra- take it outside of the box. Okay, again, if, if church is just about Sunday mornings, there is gifts that will not be used. Okay? Because only a certain amount of people can be on this stage, only a certain amount of people can preach, and only a certain amount of people can be hosts. There's going to be gifts that are unused. They're, they'll be unused. And that's a danger of making church just about Sunday mornings. God has given Barry a gift. And he's using his gift for the glory of God. He loves tractors. I see it on Facebook all the time. Praise Jesus. He's mowing the lawn. He's serving mowing the lawn here at Calvary. But even better than that, I had a hundred feet of Chinese elm, right? That Barry says, I love chainsaws. And I love Chinese elms. And man, the whole Chinese elms were gone in two hours, three hours. And from three, in three hours, they went from my yard to the garbage dump where all Chinese don't belong. Okay? It's koinonia. It's a gift that God gave him was for me that day. We sat in our truck after we'd done this, right? And what did we do? We prayed and praised God and I just wept because I met with the Lord. I met with the Holy Spirit inside and it wasn't just joy that my Chinese elm were gone. The Holy Spirit came in the truck and now Barry comes to church Right? Going, I'm using my gift for the glory of God. And it changes everything. 
It just changes everything. This was the Acts church. No, it's not just about these walls. We're going to take our gifts and I'm just going to give them back and forth, back and forth. And they did this really serious. It was devoted. It was devoted. It was devoted. And it's challenging because it requires our time and our effort, right? But when we do that, man, this, at the end of this passage, it says people were being saved. Day by day, God was adding people to their numbers. What were they seeing? There had to be unsaved people mixed into this group. They had to be part of this fellowship, this crazy koinonia. They had to be. God's adding to their numbers day by day. If you could be in a place where God was adding people day by day, the lost, would you want to be there? Would you want to be there? It's the Acts church. You know, they didn't just do it when they had plenty either, did they? Macedonia, in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, what? That's in the same sentence? And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Whoa. You can say, Greg, don't get carried away. Right? You can say, Greg, don't get carried away. But if Michelle and I are 80 years old and we're sitting there together, I'm really hungry. I wish I had something to eat. And she says, well, if you wouldn't have given away to the neighbors, we probably could have eaten something. And I said, yes, but we're called to be sacrificial givers. His kingdom first. And Michelle's like, I'm coming with you. And we stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What better way would there be to meet Jesus than had given up everything you had for the kingdom of God? Let's go there. As a church. Can we go there? And day by day, people were being saved. And that just leads you right into the third thing was this breaking of bread. Sorry. You know, you didn't have to break bread if you were alone. You could just eat it. <laughs> that one's for free. Right? Simply put, they did life together. Can I just say they love one another? They just love one another. John thirteen thirty four to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Just as I have loved you, one they love like Christ loved them. That's a big love. Those shoes, man, how do we fill those shoes? That we would lay down our lives for one another. Christ emptied himself and endured the cross. What does that say about how we're called to love others? And it says they will know we are Christians by our love. They will know. They will know. In other words, our outward appearance, our actions, right, testify to something glorious, and his name is Jesus. And people start getting saved. People start getting saved. You cannot tell me, I'm going to be brave again, you can't tell me that you don't need people. You cannot tell me that you're fine with being alone in your home and you don't need anyone around you. 
There are 59 one another's in the word of God. 59 word of one another's. It's the way we were designed. To love one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to confess sins to one another, to spur one another on, to pray for one another, to gather and singing one another. If you make church just about Sunday mornings, if that's all it is to you, you will be lonely. You will be lonely. Because there's not enough time to fulfill the word of God in these two hours. There's not enough time for me calling to love you well right here. There's not enough time, Ted, for me to love you here right now. And what happens when we make Sunday mornings? That's it. That, that's, that's our time in the kingdom. No one talked to me. Yeah, someone came up to me and they said, how are you doing? But they just said that because that's what you say. <laughs> I had that comment once to me. Yeah, you're just saying that because that's what you say at church. I have no friends. Church, small groups, big God. Small groups are a glorious place where you can invest in each other's lives. Every gift can be used and all your prayers can be prayed for. You can go out in the communities. God, I, I got church community. This, this is community groups in fall for me. Okay. I'm supposed to head them up. It's going to look different this year. I don't care if there's three couples can only meet on Sunday night. You come, let me know when you can meet and we're going to arrange for people. Sunday night, Tim Horton's community group. Praise Jesus. A place where you're not alone. Where you can fellowship and you can use your gifts inside a smaller community. Maybe you can just meet Saturday nights. Maybe start, we need to start knowing each other's gifts. Start loving one another. And then all of a sudden you're going to see it just... Someone else goes, man, I see that love for you have. All of a sudden they're filling our, the seats. There's one other thing I'll just quickly touch base. Breaking your bread, can I just put a plug for communion? Breaking bread in the word of God also means celebrating communion and remembering Christ's death and resurrection. We did it this morning. Thank you, Dave, for leading us through that. You know, you cannot take communion often enough. You cannot take communion often enough. It's the power of God, the foundation of our faith, remembering Christ in his death and resurrection. It's my plug for praying. And lastly, prayers. They devoted themselves to prayers. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts 2, 47. When they got together, church, when they got together, they met with God. They met with God. I'll say it one more time. They met with God. It's a massive part of what it means to be a church walking out a kingdom lifestyle in the power of the Holy Spirit is being with Jesus in prayer and praise. And we did it this morning. And it's a, it's a passion Michelle and I have. We have our prayer group is still going. We just had this last Wednesday. Two people showed up. Two people showed up. We're praying for more. I said it before, I'm saying it again. We're praying that prayer on Wednesday nights, bi-weekly, at the Friesens, will be so popular because of Jesus that you would have to come early while we're eating. You park outside waiting for the door to open to have a place to sit and pray. So what did we do? Man, we decided, well, we're going to take prayer outside of the house. We got two people. We hopped in the van. We went to two different homes and just laid hands on them and prayed. Prayed for healing. And we fellowshiped. 
Why? Because we're a small group and we have a big God. And he wants to heal people and he wants to set people free. And we don't have to stay in the house. Some nights it's going to go right through the summer. We're going to sit around the fire. We're going to have an acoustic guitar. And we're going to ask God to come down and heal and move. You're all invited. Not this Wednesday, but next weekend. Come Next Wednesday. Come. Come. Yeah, well, why don't you just move to a bigger location? No, first fill the basement. Then we'll talk about moving. First fill the basement. Then we'll talk about moving. Do you know that Brown's... It, the Pensacola Revival? 2.5 million people attended that, their services in three years. They had services every day. That's 2,300 people every day, every day of the week, for three years. It started in 1995, and by 2000, by the year 2000, 200,000 people had claimed to have come to Christ in five years. That's 110 people every day coming to Christ. 1,000 people attending their school of ministries. I read a little bit. They had been praying for years. God, would you send revival? And they were on their faces praying, asking God, asking God to do a move, a move, asking God to do a move. And it took them having to meet day by day. You know, when you pray for revival, you have to actually be aware of what you're praying for. Because if church on a Sunday is already a little bit too much for you, oh my goodness. <laughs> As leadership, man, do we really want to pray for revival? Okay, are we, are we really devoted to this thing? Are we really devoted to this thing? Because revival breaks out, praise Jesus, we're going every day. Hallelujah. I won't be able to run in. Praise Jesus, people are coming to Christ. (laughs) Yeah, but the Stanley Cup playoffs are on. No, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is saving people. This is my prayer, church. That we would be a church, we would be small groups, we would be a church planning, sending church that was devoted to the word, seeing God move in power. That we would be devoted to using our gifts for the glory of God and people, seeing people set free and coming to Christ in the way we love people around us. And that we'd be worshipers of God that pray on our faces and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light everyone, uh, for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be known and made known God, would you make us a church? God, that, that people just see. God, they don't even, even though we're called to speak, God, they, they, they actually see us before they actually hear us talking. God, may we be a people, God, like, like the Acts Church that saw what you did. We're empowered. We're given authority and a call. And we say yes to the things of your kingdom. God, may we be a, may we be a church and small groups, God, that see people getting saved. God, that are faithful and obedient to your word, believing in your word, faith-filled for bigger things. God, this, this, this volcano, Father, would you explode? Would you let it explode, Jesus? God, would you bring us to the tipping point, God, where it spills out for your glory and your honor? Amen.